Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Let's watch full movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent, five percent. Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song.
Oh, uh, uh, let's watch full length. Oh, wait, let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, ya. See you next month. I was just leaving the theater. <laughs> 1969 gold Cadillac with a white interior that drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in and on the freeway, and having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. Good to see you. I'm totally in our city. Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor.
those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and are passion, who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution, who would rather die than fall in line to conform, who constantly challenge the norm, who greet each and every day as if just born, I say to you I know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact I know it best when I say to you, I love you. my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) All right, I got to get some headphones so I can hear our amazing guest who calls in every week to the Edge of Insanity. And is this... Oh, they're not plugged in. Ah! Come on, Ben, get your shit together. Get your shit together, Benjamin. Um, hey, Mutiny Radio listeners. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Dead air. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We've got a phone call, and I've got to work this out. Uh, but I can't hear the phone call because I'm not plugged in to anything. Uh, ah! Uh, le- legend on the phone. Let's see if I can get this. Uh, this looks broken. Can I hear? I still can't hear anything. Why can't I hear anything? What is happening? Uh, hello, hello. All right, yay! Hey, is that Christine? Hey, no, Christine isn't here. None of them are here. Um, oh, okay. This is, hi, I'm Pam. Uh, How you doing? I'm 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 doing uh, um, amazingly. You're calling in all the way from New Jersey. I'm uh, up in New York, up New- in the Catskills. Oh my gosh, in the Catskills. Yeah, how is it? How is it? Uh, are you are you lying in place? What is it called? Sheltering in well, place? Yeah, we just stand out of the way, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, but it's funny because I'm looking out the kitchen window at this little road. 
that goes by us here, and it's like uh, it's like being the last people on earth. You know, <laughs> it's no traffic. Well, I know. I'm in this, in San Francisco. It's 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 absolutely it's an absolute ghost town. Everybody is, I guess, following the instructions. Oh yeah. Of the <laughs> stay inside. Are you showing any symptoms, or has anything happened to you? No, no. I don't want to tangle with this one. This is a bad boy. Uh, this is a new thing. I don't know what the hell it's all about, but it's not like any flu that we saw. So I'm just uh, staying out of the way, like playing dodgeball. Yeah, and you're just yeah. chilling up in the Catskills. What are you getting uh, things delivered to you, or how's it? How's oh it no, working? we just make a quick run. We don't shop often, and uh, just go in town, put a little tripper on, a little mask thing, and a glove, you know, and uh, stay out of you know, don't breathe on people. So we're we're pretty good citizens as a rule. How about you? You staying careful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not really in in connection with I've been here. I've been going back and forth to the station from my house, but I live in the Tenderloin and nothing has changed. Like there's uh, still Well, the thing is that what are they going to Oh, now tents have to be 6 feet apart from each other. There's like there's no difference yeah. where I live. People are still the exact same people are still outside and have nowhere to go. Yeah. People are in yeah. there's still poop on the street. I mean oh, the, yes. the only different thing is um people are smiling a lot more at each other. I find so. Yeah. And I, I found I was talking with my niece and I told her I said it seems people are being nicer. You got people making masks at home and making things on a 3D, uh, whatever they do yeah, digitally and all, you know. Sure. And 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 most people are really being cool about this and helpful. And I thank anybody. If I got to go over and get stuff for my son at right age, you know, and stuff. And those people, everybody's taking a chance. Who's working in them joints, Pam? Absolutely. They're they're putting it right up there, and so I I hold a little mask over my face, you know. I ain't worried about it, me getting it, as I just don't want them to think they're going to get anything from me. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't have any symptoms, and that's uh, that's cool. And uh, if I get them, uh, I wouldn't have much chance of getting them one of them special beds and shit. Right. Because uh, uh, you know I'm an old dude, and uh, that's the way it should be, you know. Well, that's a nice uh, way of you to think it. That well, yeah. I mean, if it becomes, I get a respirator, or, you know, or some guy forty nine years old who's got two kids he's trying to put through college or some shit, uh, you know, um, I'm at the eighty eight mile marker. Oh, wow. What the hell? So I mean, shit. A lot of people that sign a contract for that, uh, if they could in front say, I'm gonna, you know, because. Uh, it's a surprise. Uh, it's a surprise to me to become. They used to say, "You ain't gonna be 21, Carl, and you asshole." <laughs> I was young and wild. I'm young and wild, dude. But uh, but if you get lucky, if you if you're lucky and, and you get to be an old fart, or uh, you know, you gotta know. You gotta be sensible about shit. Well, you're. But, I'm. Uh, I'm half your age. I'm. I'm 45. I'm a little less than half your age. Oh, but, you're brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I still feel like I'm 21. I honestly, there oh. are times when I just. Do you experience that as well? Where that'll keep you young, Pam. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> that'll keep you young because right? you can't help it. Uh, I haven't grown up yet. They used to say to my mother when they go to school. He's so immature, Mrs. Carlin. <laughs> he really shouldn't be with these other boys that are older than he is and shit. 
But it was their fault, you know. They kicked me out of second grade and then sent me to boarding school, and they wouldn't take you unless you were in third grade, so but they moved you, me ahead. What did you do to get to get kicked out of school in second grade? Oh, I, I call him none a son of a bitch and bastard. Wow! <laughs> oh, yeah. That's They it? didn't like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so they so kicked I, you out of the... Of the second Catholic grade. school, and they second grade. It was second like, grade. Holy, the name of the place was Holy Child Academy, oh, which I think was kind of ironic. Sure, it was a funny place to send me because I was an asshole before I ever got to school. <laughs> and it just that just compounded. Well, okay, it, but give know. me an example. What was an asshole thing? Because I, I don't think how can a well, second here, grader like be I'm an asshole? Well, here like I'm three and a half. Okay. Okay. And my mother has me dressed up like little Lord Fauntleroy with a. Eton collar and all this bullshit. And it was when my father and my mother were together and he was making big money in 1936 when everybody else was on their ass, you know? Sure. We were and we're still living with a doorman and a fucking elevator operator and shit like this. And I'm going down on the elevator with my mother and this nice lady pets me on the head and says, what a nice little boy, what is your name? And I looked up at her and I said, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, she says, uh, uh, my mother starts to, you know, uh, cop out for me. Oh, he hears the garbage men say that and the truck drivers, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, my father says that all the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh. That's what I mean about being an asshole. Well, you, it, comes, it comes natural for a lot of it us. It sounds like you had an entitled, you had an entitled youth, and I guess oh, that's yeah. just what uh, comes from that. When you have a doorman, when you're three, and everywhere you go in the rest of the world, I mean, I wonder what the kids right now are gonna, the kids that are like oh, three cool. or five. Everybody, everybody adapts. It's just a guess what life is. It's just adapting, man. Right. We left him when I was five years old, and George was like two months old. Wow. And it was a, it was the best thing that ever happened. I never looked back. Huh? I didn't I didn't get along with the guy, you know. Well, but did you go from being super rich to being just, poor, or what happened? Was, no, did, we you... weren't poor. My mom got a gig cool. uh, as a uh, executive secretary, which she had before, and she and my aunt set up the apartment, and they brought the two of us up, and never missed a meal in my fucking life. That's great. Wow, yeah, that's such so, feminism at a time when, wow, that's so fucking progressive. Oh, like, like before I say, 1940? My, that's when they insane. talk about all that empowerment and all that, my, my mother was didn't wait to be empowered. Right. My mother just was power. Sure. She was little, but she had a great opinion of herself and was not afraid to speak up and, uh, and, and was capable of what she did. Yeah. And so... She got kicked out of Catholic school. I don't know, you know, <laughs> when uh, too much uh, bracelets and lipstick and stuff like that. And uh, they sent her to uh, Washington Irving, a public school. This is New York City. Sure. And this would be back like around, uh, she was born in 1896, so that would be around nine, early 1900s. Sure. You know? Wow. And, like pretty yeah, flapper so when stuff. She, Fun when times. she uh, graduated high school, she went six, mo six months to... Uh, a uh, little business school. She learned uh, steno and uh, typing. And then she didn't go look for a gig. She put an ad in the editor and publisher magazine, uh, uh, a thing for the ad people way back then, way, way back. 
and it said uh, position wanted executive secretary. Wow, so yeah. progressive. <laughs> she put it out there, man. She created her own media before yeah, there was oh, yeah. even. She just she had a good opinion of herself. That's great. And she was very capable. She could size people up. Wow. Yeah, yeah. She knew. You know, she knew a lot, and uh, she stimulated George's mind and my mind yeah. with words and shit. You know. Sure. But we weren't out to be good boys, so that didn't that part didn't work. Well, for that's her. good because being good is boring. Who wants to be <laughs> well, boring? Well, it was it was not our natural way. Sure. It was, the natural thing for me was anywhere, any time I went to a new school, or any time I was in the service, or any time I changed job, whatever. I, I'm, I'm in with the assholes on the second day at work. <laughs> Were you in World War II? No. Okay. Korea time was our trip. Korea. You were in Korea. No, not me, man. Oh, not okay. me. No, they lied. I thought I was going to be a gunner. I joined the Air Force to be a gunner. But gunnery school had been closed for two years. The recruiting sergeant lied. That's such <laughs> a funny trip. And I don't give a shit. I had a lot of fun for four years. I had a lot of fun. Nobody shot at me. Wow. <laughs> no, I was an Air Force radar operator. Oh. I was nothing. I was a like a PFC and an Airman Basic and a PFC and an Airman Basic and a Boop. 10 days a sergeant, court-martial, busted. But I had a lot of fun. I had Did a lot you, of fun, Was man. it those sounds? Did you just constantly hear, boop? Uh, they were boop. caused by me having Beep. fun in town, Beep. getting drunk and being young and wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess... Well, it's funny now because we see the military in such a different light, and I don't oh, think yeah. that... Do you like to read? Oh, I read a lot, yeah. Yeah. Well, then, do yourself a big favor, and I'm telling you, man, get a book from Amazon called Highway 23. Highway 23. Which war is it about? Garland. Patrick Garland. That's me. That's you, Patrick Garland. Yeah. You wrote a yeah. book? I wrote this book, You yeah. wrote a book? Oh, my God. And it's a goofer. It's a goofer, man. It's, I stole a whole lot of shit from my own life. Well, it's your life. Yeah. You know, my own time in the service. But I made him a little bit nicer guy. So it's a uh, fiction uh, book. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, what do they call it? It's almost a memoir. Right, fictional memoir. They've just... Except I, I, didn't, I, I made him like 90% asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun writing it, and people who read it like it. Patrick Carlin. Tell us the name of the book again. I'm going to... Highway 23. Highway 23. And, and that's and, a highway in Michigan that runs from Ann Arbor up the side where Michigan looks like a little mitten. Sure. Then by Saginaw Bay and all like that. And that's where we would have our fun on our off-duty time. All right. And uh, it's a nice story. It's a love story. Sweet. And uh, the favorite person is you read this book, Pam. You will love... Joan's mother. All right. Lady named Jill. And she sees the worth in, uh, she sees the worth in Joan's boyfriend. Loser, Eddie loser boyfriend? Who's in the service. <laughs> loser uh, asshole rather boyfriend. Than in the frat house. 90% asshole. But she sees the good in him, you know. Yeah. And she's a, she's been down the trail herself. And it's a lot of good mother daughter shit in there. Cool. And I mean, it's not just a guy's thing. It's it's a hell of a nice story. I really like it. When did if you I, if, When did you write this? I wrote it uh, a couple of years ago when we got back here. But we came back in 1996, and I said I'm I'm going to write a book, you yeah. know. So uh, I did that, 
And how then if it, you how long did it take you to write? I'm just curious because I used to write. Oh, I took my time on it, but because it just spilled out when it got time to really do it, it was mm-hmm. very easy. And I remembered things from Alaska, like the tunes we played up there. You know, because you wind up in Alaska if you have too much fun in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they send you. They send you from the worst, coldest place to somewhere. It's it's, it's cold, but I guess prettier. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you have fun there. You always have your own kind of fun no matter what they do. It's a, it's an amazing thing. Oh, hey, I agree with that. This has been yeah, the most fun it, apocalypse ever. It, it works ever. out, you know. And I'm going to put you, since you're a reader, I want to put you on another trip if, you're, if your head is really bizarre. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, now, this one, that, that, that Amazon one, I don't know what that costs, maybe 15 or 20 bucks. Oh, I've got money on my PayPal. It's a regular here. book that you get yeah. to hold in your hand and keep. Yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah, I do too. I'm, but my other one, I'm going to apologize for. It's the only thing I got. It's called Quinn's Bar and Grill. Quinn's Bar and Grill. And this is on Kindle. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only four dollars and ninety-nine cents, Pam. That's a steal. Oh, it is because I'm going to tell you what's in it. There are seven different short stories in there. I love short stories. I have this one-eyed bartender in Quinn's Bar and Grill at 125th and Broadway in New York City. He hooks up with this chick from Kansas who's a hippie running a stash house. And uh, they're back. We're in the 70s. The steel ball is getting ready to swing on Quinn's Bar and Grill uh, in January 1978. And the bartender wants to get everybody together. Meanwhile, his little girlfriend, uh, Allison Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, great. man. Oh, I goofed with this. I, this is definitely worth $4.99 oh, and yeah. smoke a big joint before you get into it. <laughs> uh, they smoke reefer all through this trip. And it takes place in a bar. That, that that's just I made it up out of these other bars we hung in. It's like the Moylan where George hung out at, sure. and uh, you know Grippos and the Five Hundred Club where we hung out, because they're basically West Side bars, and uh, the people in there, every kind of people are in there. You know, it yeah. ain't just all Irish. I love it's bar everything. stories. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time in bars as well. So oh well, you would, you gotta get Quinn's Bar and Grill. Quinn's Bar and Grill, Kindle. Four ninety nine. Yeah, and, steal. Oh yeah, again by me, you know, Patrick. And the Patrick thing is Garth? on that, Pam, that on this Quinn's Bar and Grill, I didn't know if you're into writing and you're into reading and shit, you'll get a kick out of this. I after after Highway twenty three I wrote a thing called Kien fucking Sabe <laughs> which it's just uh, it's just scraps and shit that I wrote, but it's all it's all goofy shit in there, but it's not like a novel. There's no story to it. It's like essays and thoughts, and sure. uh, it's it's an interesting little thing. And uh, but the, when I got to Quinn's, I had these short stories, and you can't. I said I don't want to just have a book of your bullshit. So I took it. I incorporated the short stories into my main plot. Oh, rad! Yeah, That's man. A great idea. And I got a professor dude who's not a real professor. He's just a guy who knows a whole lot of shit about a whole lot of different things, you know. Yeah. And he's bounced around here and there, and he's a buddy of the bartender. So the bartender lays these stories on him to read. Oh, that's great. Oh yeah. yeah so you I put found a story a in a story. It, that's great. 
Yeah, so they do that shit, and then all these crazy poems and shit that I've written over the years and didn't know what to do with. That's so smart. I threw some of them in there as things that Allison writes, but then early on in the story, I have poetry night in uh, in Greenwich Village, New York, which would be like Frisco's uh, North uh, Beach. you know the uh, the yeah. gay district. We're, yeah, sure, Castro or in North Beach. There's yeah, a lot like of poets. Castro, stuff. City, yeah, okay, it would be like that. And this is this is down in Greenwich Village, and uh, and he and the girl go down there for a, a poetry thing that she wants to be in, and she writes she reads her poem. Uh, Hopelessness is not a bummer. It's just a guitar strummer. And the band cuts in, and the band is like a riff on the New York Dolls. And uh, it's a, it's just a whole very trippy thing for weird people. Yeah, hey, a way to I love poetry, and if you're working poetry into the book, that's that's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a double treat. It's yeah. a double treat, man. Yeah, and then when she's on the run, she also gets into a trip with a, a dude uh, who's you know living up the mountains, but he's not into religion. He's just a, he's a guy like a Dalai Lama, but he's strictly not into religion. <laughs> And he's got a big bin there, the the secret of life bin. And if you're stupid enough to ask the meaning of the secret of life, you get a little capsule and you read it like a like a fortune cookie, and it might say life is about not getting caught. Ah. And after that's after contemplation and all. So there's a lot of humor in it, and it's they're both real good things to read. I'm I'm so glad I. Talk to you today. I was just uh, I was just reading this morning about Frank O'Hara and in the new school uh, the New York New School poets, and that he got run over by a dune buggy in on Fire Island. Isn't that wow. crazy? Like he was forty years old and he was on Fire Island partying it up, and he got hit by a dune buggy and died. And, well, and he died. <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, like this. He was this poet in the, in the you know late fifties, early sixties. I know, but I just I just love poetry, and I'm I, that's oh, so exciting. Oh, good for you. That's yeah, cool. because so cool. I got a lot of uh, uh, I got these poems, and I assign them to different poets who get up there to do their trip at this uh, Halloween poetry festival in Greenwich Village. Yeah. And uh, like one uh, one guy gets up and he says. Uh, I was sitting by the river watching last night's condoms float on their way to Madagascar or some other place remote. Oh, that's when I saw two turds break surface through a growing oil slick, and I thought, Jesus fucking Christ, the Hudson River's sick. <laughs> Isn't that a nice little ditty? That's great. I love it. It's accessible. It has rhyme. It's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got some fucked up shit in there, man. And uh, I got, you know, I got women. I got a woman in there, and I got, she's like a militant chick. And she says, you start out your morning with a 62-ounce quick freezy, and then you eat that beef jerky and this and that. Now you're sick and you want me to pay your hotel bills. What the fuck are you, crazy? <laughs> it, <laughs> it sounds, like sounds Bukowski-esque, oh, character. Like... It was a cathartic for me. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. Oh, I can, I can recommend those two things very yeah, highly yeah, to you, Patrick Carlin, if you're listening. This is usually the Edge of Insanity. Uh, they're not here today, but... 
Patrick still called in because he's awesome, and we've had this really fun conversation. I can't believe you're 88. You're I like, can't either. <laughs> I can't either. But you're so like, you're, you belie your age with your voice and your quickness and your cleverness. Yeah. Like... Yeah, well, like they said, he's so immature. (laughs) I'm waiting to grow up, man. Do you actually feel like that in your mind, though? Do you feel like you're still... Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Give me hope. Yeah, it's it's where your head is at, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got a baton in the backseat of my car. (laughs) If they do road rage on me, I'll teach them some stunts. (laughs) Do you you still party? Uh, I only smoke reefer and shit. Okay. And I and I, I hang out over with Levon's uh, studio up here, where they have bands and not because now it's not happening, but they have bands in and stuff. And I like musicians. I can't play a lick, but I like to listen. Sure. So it's not like really uh, a partying time because I've been married. Wow, we've been married about sixty something years. Ooh. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm a home guy. Yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. yeah you're nested. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I, you know, if you got a wife, you sure as shit don't need a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> How can you have both? I mean, yeah, it's impossible I mean, to know, please one woman. I, I used one to two. look at these pictures like Goodfellas, and they would have Thursday night would be girlfriend night for the guys in the in the uh, outfit and stuff like that, you know. And uh, it's tragic, really. They had one. It was it was uh, these these mafia stories are beautifully done, you know. And if you're in New York City and you you bumped into the guys here and there, you know, and, and uh, when I love the sentimentality of like the guy is there with his chick, and his old lady has put him. They become estranged because he's such such a ball buster. And Jerry Vale, I don't know if you know his voice, but it's a beautiful, beautiful voice, and he's singing. Pretend you don't see her, my heart. Da dee da 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 da. You know. Well, it's so and easy so to be romantic movies, with a girlfriend. These, oh, they're good stuff. They're good. There's a lot of lot of tragic love affairs and shit. You know. Sure. And if you're lucky, you know, when you're young and you're bouncing around, uh, you get your heart broken and shit like that, and then you get well quick. I mean. You get well. Falling in love is a lot of fun. Oh, so. yeah. But they're like, uh, it's like having a cat. Eventually, it's going to die, and you're going to have to bury it. That, yeah, yeah. Um, the, you got to let the bodies fall where they may, yeah. and those bodies I, are going to fall you'll somewhere. See, you'll see in Highway 23, Pam, that Eddie Flynn believes the same thing I do, and he tells her, first comes lust, then comes love. See, and I, yeah. I see that even in my situation me and marlene married 62 years and uh, when i first seen her i didn't think oh wow i'd sure like to discuss nuclear physics with her. <laughs> fair absolutely <laughs> fair yeah i looked across that bar and i said oh, oh i want some of that hell yeah <laughs> and then you go after it and then then lust uh, lust settles after a while and uh, love sets in over the years. Love, you know, when the people say I'm in love and they're young, they don't mean I'm in love. They mean I want to fuck you. Right, sure. And then that's, it's, it's nice. That's good. That's where it starts. You know, so I'm pretty realistic about a lot of shit. Isn't that funny, though? Because religion says that sex is where it ends. 
Oh, yeah. Right? Like you oh, do yeah. all oh, these yeah. things. You do yeah. all these things and you have to do all these things in order to have the sex as opposed well, to... Well, you, you, I'll tell you about religion. When you get to Highway 23, Eddie talks to Joan because while he's in Alaska, uh, she had a car accident just before he went and all. So she's being... And she's not going to Michigan University. She's at a Catholic place, almost like a, almost like a nunnery. And uh, he gives her a little, he tells her all about religion when he gets back from Alaska. And she understands. It's, to me, personally, just as a person, it's a, it's the cruelest hoax that, that mankind has played on himself. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's just bullshit. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's just fucking pure bullshit, it's man. It's that it's that we that, but we like the hoax. I think that we I like do. a they story do. and we like fantasy, and yeah. it's easier oh, for you're people. You're on it, Pam. Right? It's easier to love a fantasy or to experience a fantasy than it is like because, like you said, lust is a fantasy. Love yeah. is real, and so if you, you know, it's almost like religion is a is a lust. Yeah. That you have yeah. to fulfill so that you're not scared of dying. Ah. That's yeah. the whole thing with the coronavirus right now. I'm like, you know, I confront my own mortality all the time. I'm scared of dying constantly. So good for you. This that's, whole... that's just being realistic. Yeah. Well, and I'm trying to live all my moments to like, you know, I good. could get hit by a bus. But so now with all this corona, I'm like, we could die. We could die. I'm like, yeah. And it's the same as five minutes ago. Like all yeah. of us could die. Like anything yeah. could happen. And you tell them it's not we could die. You will die. Yeah, we're all, yes, exactly. <laughs> eventually, eventually you're going to go away, man. Right. Uh, something's going to get you. And, uh, or you're just going to unwind. You just be so goddamn old that you just, everything shuts down. Sure. And that's cool too. But, uh, but you got to look at that. I'm, I'm, I've been very fatalistic, uh, for the past few years. And we, we think about it and, uh, not in a, a way it's just a way that it's going to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. When my brother died in 08, man, that was, uh, that was a very heavy scene for me. I'd known him since he was born. Yeah. You know? And it really tore me up. I mean, I just was really, really torn apart. But uh, he made it so nice. In his will, he had stuff like rock and roll music that he wanted played. Wow. And he wanted us to wear bright colors and yeah. stuff like that. And he had everywhere that he wanted his uh, ashes to be distributed. Sure. He wanted some down by the Bonsoir Club down in Greenwich Village and some up in the neighborhood where he smoked his first joint. Rad. And uh, some up where he was at camp when he was a kid and he won a little drama thing. Every summer he would win as a, as, in a, some kind of things of kids singing or telling sure, sure, jokes or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, so we he made his funeral uh, like a happy occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for all of us that were distributing his ashes, man. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, Kelly had the ashes in the urn, and we went around, and uh, uh, we a buddy of ours from a bar where he hung out, and we all were smoking joints, and it was just a, it was a send-off for him, like, you know, yeah, what the hell. So that's how I wanted he, to be. Uh, he was always thoughtful. Yeah. Even in death, he was thoughtful. To make it a, a different thing than just standing there in a black suit. Right, and feeling sad. Yeah. He told you what to yeah. feel, he, and he, he said, feel happy. He had style. George had style, and he 
You know, he never forgot that I was his bro. Hell yeah. And uh, we really enjoyed each other. And then he's gone. I talk to his spirit every day. Right on. I talk to his fucking spirit. So, and and I, my mom and all I these memories. That's all I, some guy, a famous guy said, life is just memories. Uh-huh. And one of these guys in Bartlett's book of quotations or something like that. So, so that's, that's where well, that's at. I, I believe, I believe too that, um, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, but I believe no. that, I believe that thought is real and that anytime you think about somebody who's dead, because they're your there. thought is re- real, then they're alive. So, yes. so any yes. remember, so when you have a book and w- when I read Highway 23, you live forever in my brain and in that book and in that connection because it's. And a half-life of memory sort of dissipates. But that's money. how we... I feel like it's... People are still around. I oh, mean, yeah. Anytime oh, yeah. you listen to a comedy album or you watch a movie or you read a book or you listen to a podcast or you read oh, a letters yeah. that someone wrote that your mother wrote to you in 1942 or something. Oh, that yeah. You're, you're on the money. Yeah, you're awakening that in your mind. That Therefore, that person still exists. They're still around because your thoughts are real. So, yes, you're right yeah. there. So this is wonderful that you have this program, Pam. Well, uh, this is this is the edge of insanity. I'm just here because it's the COVID-19, and I'm here for the Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike and Carl at 2 well, o'clock. what do you do? Well, they pre-recorded, and so I'm just going to press play at 2 o'clock. Oh, um, but what do you do, Pam? Oh, I own the station. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yeah, this is my... That's a wonderful outlet. No, let me tell you something. Uh, I enjoy Paul because he just lets me riff, you know? And we do our thing, and uh, I'm so happy to find that you own that station because you have an outlet there for uh, uh, things that I would like to do uh, toward helping old people... uh, not get dementia. Well, I mean, right. uh, I, I, I've got a thing together where I do about two hours or so of tunes that are new and old, both because you got old people and then you got Guatemalan caregivers there pushing their wagons around. Yeah. And so, uh, right behind, right behind something like "Roll Out the Barrel," I might play something called. Uh, 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 Kian Sabe. Right on. By Christian Mayer, M E I E R. And he's Argentinian. Right. But it's got that big boom, boom, that good beat and all of that stuff. So, uh,. It's a it's a great program toward jogging the old minds from yesteryear to now, and all of a sudden Stevie Wonder will jump in, doing an old thing like Yester Me, Yester You. So I mean, it's a good and, program and idea and all. Absolutely. And music. my dream is to have that going into all the places where the old people are at. A hundred percent. Because yeah. it and, triggers uh, their memory. What would you, you call it? Like when they used to syndicate a program. Yeah, they they still could. Hey, if you want to send send me the music, I'll play it on Mutiny Radio. I, I think that's really exciting because if you're triggering people's memories and making them think, when we allow people to passively imbibe images all the time, it's like eating applesauce. It's just mush. And so we're not engaging our brains and not even, I think even reading out loud to people is more important than 
vapidly imbibing the images that TV just feeds us and or uh. Netflix or because if you even if even if you aren't able to read the book with your own eyes anymore, you're still hearing the words and creating pictures in your mind from those uh. like bits of code and and you're engaging your brain and and we have to continue doing that otherwise what's the it does just slip away. I, I don't know. Dementia is the scariest thing for me because I can't imagine not being able to think, you know, like, uh, <laughs> deeply uh, about things. That would be, I, I don't know. That's just a scary. I know what, Pam, Pam, I know what you're saying. Dig this. This is from the other boy. I do every morning I do a set of 13 tunes home here. And I don't play them or anything yet because I'm waiting for just the right format here. And we were going to have some people open in place here on Easter. But, you know, that's just not going to happen. But the other morning after I played my first set, I smoked a little joint. And I came back and it was 8.40 a.m. So I said, 8.40? Hmm, that's twice 4.20. And I started out with, I jumped right into Brother Lee with Citizen Cope. And I followed up with AM radio, Everclear, and I went back then to Making Thunderbirds by Bob Seger. Oh, wow, The big yeah. line moved one mile an hour so bad it really hurt. And then from that I went to Yester Me, Yester You with Stevie Wonder. Then I went to Roll Out the Barrel by the Old Timers, Palisades Park by Freddie Cannon, and Live and Let, oh, then I got into, uh, I slid into the Beatles with Live and Let Die by McCartney. Nobody told me there'd be days like this by Lennon. And Photograph by Ringo, Bangladesh from the live concert by George Harrison. And I ended up with Blue Jay Way. And Blue Jay Way, when I was a limo driver back around 1980, I parked up on Blue Jay Way and smoked a joint in honor of the Beatles. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. And that's what stimulates my mind, see? While I played those things, the next thing I played was While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And that's when me and my wife and our kids, they were little then. They were like 10 and 8. And we came down from Vermont to visit my mom and aunt. And we were smoking a joint in the kitchen playing an old Beatles cassette. Because uh, this was, like I said, around 1975. Sure. And uh, and my mom comes in the kitchen and we got her loaded without her knowing it. Like a contact <laughs> high. We blew smoke on her and all. And when, when she was into poetry, Pam. She was into poetry, too. And she says, oh, I didn't never knew those Beatle boys wrote such beautiful lyrics. <laughs> so mom had a nice... Got a nice load on without knowing it, you know. That's great. And and those memories, that those songs would trigger those really vibrant memories. That's what they do. Yeah. See, Pam, that's, yeah. where, that's what I'm telling you. You're on the money. Yeah. Because uh, when I see that, I see the, uh, the whole trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, next time I played Happy Days or Here Again. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that's, and then you got you got people you never heard of. I got a freaky tune for you that will... It's called Solar... Pilgrim. Solar Pilgrim. And it's by a guy called Twain. That's all the name is, is Twain. T-W-A-I-N. And it is the dreamiest song. If you want to like... I'm going to look it up on YouTube right now. Solar Pilgrim. Oh, uh, And then yeah. we have to get your last thoughts because... Uh, you coming gotta, up at you 2 o'clock out of there. is... Yeah, is let's watch a full-length movie. So what was that again? It was Solar... Solar Pilgrim. Pilgrim. 
And the dude's name is Twain, T-W-A-I-N. So think about all this shit. Yeah. And uh, keep uh, keep my home phone number here. Sweet. Uh, it's, what is it? It's 845. 845-684-5152. Rad, you just gave that over the internet. <laughs> Oh yeah. Everybody, I'm if you want to call Patrick Carlin and talk to him about the future or the past or songs, it sounds like yeah, you've got it. his number now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I am or if you so... want to tell me to go fuck myself, I don't care. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's what everyone's doing now, right? Thank you so much for calling. I'm so glad that I was here to accept the call, and it's such an honor to speak to you. And oh, I can't wait to read your book. That's a two-way street, Pam. And we're going to play I'm just pilgrim. happy that I, I met someone whose head is as fucked up as mine. Hell yeah! So yeah. that's very wonderful. And you have a beautiful time now, and we'll, I'll tell Paul all about this Thank shit. you so much. Well, we've got it. I'm going to put it on oh, the night the playlist so was everyone mine. can hear. Thank you so Sell much, Patrick Carlin. For me. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Well. Hey, everybody. That was Patrick Carlin, uh, brother of now uh, R.I.P. George Carlin, and that was right. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Uh, he's Carl. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Perhaps you know us by our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. You can use that to find us on your favorite podcast uh, applications. You can find us at mutinyradio.fm where we stream live every Tuesday, p.m., uh, Sunday's Pacific Standard Time, courtesy of Manager Pam Benjamin, big woot woot, Pam Benjamin. Uh, you can go ahead and donate money to the station, courtesy of Venmo at Mutiny Radio. Dot, uh, Mutiny Radio. That's what it is on Venmo. Carl, what movie are we watching today? Yeah, you're right. We are watching The Salvation Hunters. The Salvation Hunters. That's what you put in your YouTube search engine. It's 1925, and you will come to a channel okay. called The First Movie. Doesn't sound promising, but okay. Uh, I did that, and I hit pause, so I have this movie uh, queued up on zero, zero, zero. Excuse me. Buffer, uh, buffer. Carl? Yeah, so we are going to want you to do the same, and we are going to have a countdown. Uh, we're very uh, pleased to have, during these times, the man himself, the countdown king, the maestro, descending numerals, Mr. 321. 
Give it up for Mr. Paul Brumba. Yay! Hey guys, it's great to be here in quarantine with y'all. Yeah, how's it? Yeah, happy quarantine. <laughs> happy quarantine from the three corners of the earth. I know there's four corners, but we won't go there. All right, you guys, you know it. Let's do it. Um, after you wash your hands, you put your hands on that little mouth. <laughs> And you know the drill. Let's do this thing in three, two, one, go. That's right. Von Steinberg's dedicated to the derelicts of Earth. The derelicts. Yeah, it's pronounced Earth. It's pronounced Earth. But I'm Thank you. Paul, cool. Paul, you're hanging out with us, right? You're, you're here for the whole show. As I'm going to hang out for as much as I can. Just the whole thing. You can do the whole thing. Minutes. It's, yeah, it's, it's only 108 right? minutes. Yeah. 104 It's Olaf Putin's uh, best work, let alone Otto Mazian. I don't want to call him Joseph von Sternberg, you know, because he made up the Vaughn. Right. But that's his uh, stage name. Now, you just saw three of his films, right? What'd you think? Yeah, so Criterion Collection released last year the silent pictures of Joseph von Sternberg, and I caught it right before the library closed, and I just watched all three. So I watched Underworld, which is fantastic. It was right after this movie. And he did a film about the Russian Revolution and about a film shooting a film about the Russian Revolution called The Last Command, where an actual Russian czar from uh, 1819 is in this 25, uh, 1925 film production, and it keeps saying flashbacks. It's pretty cool. And then in the last film was called The Docks in New York, which was basically a Popeye adventure where uh, this mean guy, Bill, uh, kicks ass. And he's kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, his films are good. But this one was all in the documentary supplements, The Thought. That This film is not about a subject, but it's about a concept, The Thought. And I said, my God, this film sounds so bad. Let's watch it. Okay, so now we open up uh, at the harbor, and this is where the dredge is. This is where the mud of the earth is. Uh, well, at least we're not uh, watching. Uh, we're watching a film to kind of sweep away the drudgery of our life. It's not so bad, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I got the literal drudgery. I got PlayStation. PlayStation, give it up for. I have two PlayStations, man. Three and four is functional. I've been going back and forth. I have, um, I have Tetris. I have, uh, a, I have a sex slave in the basement. I have shoots and ladders. Lots of things to keep me entertained. Get out of here! Shoots and ladders and Tetris. Yeah, and I have Risk and Monopoly, but Monopoly just makes the family fight. Yeah. Oh, you you, you well, duplicated something. You already, you already said risk in a in a hostage in the in the basement. So, <laughs> oh, she's no hostage. She's a uh, sex slave. But uh, you know, I also never mind her. I also have a pinball machine to keep me interested in things. I got uh, oh, gay roof. We have air hockey. You do not have a. Do you have a pinball machine? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we believe the sex slave without the pinball machine. Yeah. 
There wasn't I'll enough. Trade you, I'll trade you a, a, a jukebox for a pinball machine. As if I needed a jukebox. There wasn't room enough in the game room, right? So I put the pinball machine on my elevator and I took it to the third floor. And that's yeah. where we have like a parlor. How difficult was it to get your pinball machine into your elevator? Uh, it was $400. That's how difficult. Uh, they did a good job, those guys. Fast <laughs> <laughs> is right. You called up TaskRabbit. Okay, now this... I need to get my pinball machine. Now, okay, you see him walking... All right, go ahead. Okay, that's the boy. Yeah. And he is our first... And he's pretty much the star of the film. Now, this guy... He wanted to have a, a vehicle so that he could show people that he was an actor. Uh, and so he paid his own money for Von Starnberg to make this film. So this is the first shopping mall acting school scam in, in American history. Mm -hmm. Now, look, look, it says the boy believed he was a failure because he was a coward. Okay, that plays into the plot. He's got to overcome that. Yeah, he looks kind of chicken. Now, here the director uh, hits us over the head with the theme of the film. It is, he believes there are children of the mud in this world and children of the sun, okay? And he thinks he's in the middle. Okay. Like he can get to the sun, even though he is in the mud, he can get to the sun. Now, the dredge in this film, and you guys already yeah, know this. See, okay, it takes the mud out of the under the river and it puts it in the sun to dry see children of the mud could become children of the sun it's all up to you this director claims and then they take that sun-dried mud and they sell it <laughs> Entrepreneurial. that's pretty impressive pull yourself like up by mud. straps the mud straps Wow, drudgery, mud straps. I didn't know this all connected to some fucking weird shit. Woohoo! It's his first film, first director, did, you know, he's ever done. The guy came to him and he wanted to do a comedy. Uh, and it was called Bugs. Let me see what it was called. And the guy said, <laughs> My wacky mud event. Liar! Liar! Funny mud. And he, Von uh, Sternberg said, let's do this instead. And the guy just wanted himself on film. So he said, okay. Yeah, all right. You do have a Von in your name. No help. Ooh, no help wanted. I'm here for the no help that's wanted. I'm here for no help. Uh, okay, now. Uh, in his dreams, he didn't walk alone. So here is the girl. Okay, yes. the dredge had picked her up out of the mud, and she's bitter. She's bitter. She hates life. She hates this world. She hates being in the mud. She thinks it's all crap, and that needs to change in her. This is the only time we're going to see this cat. Does the, I'm checking does the cat die dot com and uh, <laughs> doesn't look good. Um, we will see the cat one more time when the cat is trapped in a box. They let him out. And they consider it an omen that they must leave the mud. You'll see. <laughs> if you open a box and a cat came out, the first thing you say is, this yeah. is an omen, I must leave the mud. Leave the mud. <laughs> leave the mud. You thought the cat was in the box. It got out. We got to leave the mud. 
It's so odd. I would be like, who the fuck's putting gifted boxes? That was pretty normal in 1925. Here's a box. Oh, I hope it's a possum or a cat in there. Now, it's a cat. My lucky day. Oh, we got to go. <laughs> if it was a possum. Okay, now, that is not Paul Brumba. That is a guy called The Brute. And The Brute is the heavy and one of the reasons they leave the mud. Now, here comes something for no reason. For no reason. He can't read Chinese. So, like a dope, he scratches his what head. He, he doesn't know what to order. <laughs> it all looks so good. Right. Just order by the numbers. You know what? I'll tell you what, Chef Special, huh? Whatever, whatever you recommend. That'd be great. Thank you. I'll be back. Now, we walk away from that sign, and that's it for the whole film. It has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't make sense why they... Okay, look, what's at the top? What do you see at the top, Paul? Help wanted, yeah. This is his big chance. <laughs> Just like a Kafka novel, he's going to climb to the top to get his help. The, the ladder, the ladder. There it is, you guys. I wondered where it was. I never knew where it was. That ladder? The ladder of success. <laughs> right, it was by the docks all along. I remember walking yeah. past that ladder when I was walking past the docks, and I said, oh, there's a former there. It was only years later I realized <laughs> it was not the former. It was the latter. It was not the former. It was the latter. It was not the former, but the latter. That's a brilliant joke. I stepped all over it. Now, Kafka books always has the guy working hard towards a goal, hard towards a goal, hard towards a goal, and then the end, it all gets crapped on, and it did all his hard work is for nothing. So that's what I think of when he goes up the ladder. Okay, now here's yeah, the... I think of like some... He probably said, you know it'd be great if I shot a movie where this symbolizes employment opportunity. <laughs> so hitting it on the head. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now look, the brute's being nice to the girl, right? Giving her a cigarette. What's he up to? Look at Got his grip on her. Look at his hand. But we watched this uh, with my, my wife. And wife. I'm looking. He's gripping. I, I thought he was the brute, not the creeper. Yeah. Now, what is he? He's really not a creeper. He made a pass at a woman. He got rejected and he leaves. Right? He really didn't break any yeah. rules. He shouldn't have touched not her. How about that? Day, he didn't. Why shouldn't he? would have been thrown out of state of poverty if it was nowadays. That's right. My wife. My wife mentions he pulls a cigarette out of his pocket and she smokes it. Yeah. That's not phallic, pretty, it, you think? Uh, no, I think it's pretty un uh, hygienic, but, you know. <laughs> and they must be sturdy cigarettes because usually they break in my pocket. Okay, now the brute came up to the girl, tried to sleep with her. The girl said, forget it, bub, and he left. So who should come along but the right. boy? And we're going to see, like, kind of the opposite of the brute. Was this scandalous in 1925? I don't know. You were talking playful. about how people rioted, and I read that too. But there was nothing. What is scandalous? No, I guess, I guess uh, yeah, I nothing was really. I still, want to, I still want to say things that I've said before when I've watched the beginning of this movie one time. Well, you should if they were good. Just don't mention your erector set. 
And what is it? Good yeah, that's don't... the right answer, Carl. That's the right answer. Now, she's not a oh, good Oh, this girl. scene was controversial because it shaves all the women in the theater smoking cigarettes. That's valuable business. So what that scene was supposed to say is the, the, the sun has met the mud, right? And the sun believes in the mud that it right. can come out into the sun. And the mud does not believe that. But he just lets the mud believe what it wants. Okay, now here's the child, the child, not the boy. Not the boy. Well, that's confusing. We already had a boy who's an adult. Right. The child, innocent, and the world is fresh and new right. to the child. So therefore, the child sees the optimum is it in it. He hasn't tried things and been beaten down before. That's going to inspire the, the child. The child looks really familiar. Oh shit, that's my kid. Holy cow! I'm looking for him. Been at the docks, hanging out with derelicts. When was this filmed? Because if this was on one of my visitation rights days, <laughs> it was 1925. Check the ledger. Yeah, I'm calling the judge. I will have my lawyer call the judge. Listen, back in 1925, it was. You're in the Littering, pick that up. She absolutely littered. Uh, they all did. That's pretty quick. Oh, the drudgery. If I ever do a time travel oh. movie, I'm definitely having going him back going back to the time of smoking when smoking was everywhere on airplanes and office buildings. Yeah. You people! You just throw it on the ground. Oh, you have like th there's matches in this movie where they light them on the they they strike the match on the, off the wall, uh -huh. you know. That's cool. Back then, yeah. you can like strike matches off the wall. Yeah, right. You could do it off a dude's forehead. Yeah, I know. Now your boss gets pissed. Yeah, now your what boss a world. Yes. You're like boss here. Take this. What a matchbook. Yes, please hold the striker <laughs> by your forehead. What? Just for a second. Yeah, just you know, one time I, uh, I stuck matches in my boss's shoe and I lit it on fire and he just did not appreciate it. <laughs> Didn't find the humor in it. I know. In the 80s, you could, you just can't do a hot foot nowadays. You can't do a hot foot anymore. <laughs> on, you know, the seniority. Okay, so look what the brood is doing. I can hardly watch because I've seen this so many times. It's just beating up a kid, Carl. Oh, it's awful. But the boy doesn't do anything, and that makes the girl pissed off. Coward! You coward! The boy being the young man. Coward. Dude, you got just got to accept that that's the boy, that's the girl, and that's the child. Like Adam and Eve and uh, Adam Jr. So what's he doing, Mike? He's just choking a child. Have you seen that back in 1924? What's the boy doing? 25. What's the boy doing? <laughs> he abducts the child. Abducts. <laughs> so he saves the <laughs> child, but he doesn't follow the guy. You see, he's not over his coward all the way yet. Not by a long shot. Oh, yeah, but the guy here comes the guy. Give me back that child. I wasn't done strangling him. It's true, mister. He was only two-thirds into strangling me. Now, the mud girl, right, 
she right. she is going to be amused at what happens to the brute, right? But she, so she's going to laugh and she's going to enjoy her life for two seconds, and then she's going to realize she's enjoying herself and cut it out. Yeah, as as the goth code goes, right? You can't smile the when you're goth. Goes. Uh, Buster so Brown. This would be perfect for like goth preteens to watch. They would absolutely admire her. They would. They would adore this movie, The Salvation Hunter. Yep. Look what happens to the brood. He's getting all yucked up with the wet mud. Yeah. Here's mud in your eye. Mud, mud, mud. Well, I was that was mud was on his thigh. Here's mud in your thigh. <laughs> Now watch. She's going to be amused by him getting his. She looks up at the people in the control tower. See him? Right, yes. So like, yeah, now she can't yeah. smile. Dump it on him. They swing the dredge over. Oh, so she gives him the okay and then the station guys do it. Well, I'm not sure. It's implied. But did she really? I'm not sure. Now, Carl researches these movies for us by watching them numerous times. How many times have you seen The Salvation Hunter so far? This is five, and if you count that time, it's like five and a half. I do. Watch, watch yeah. what happens. He's all muddy. <laughs> she loves it, and then she goes, wait a minute, I'm emo. Yeah, right. I got the, the safety guys are looking at me. Hold on. I'm goth. I'm goth. I better pull it together here. I can't tell if there's mud or crap in my pants. Thanks. <laughs> well, I would take good money to get mud poured on me. Of course it's mud. Okay, now, the child is freed and brought to the girl. It isn't brought back to the girl, right? It, she, it wasn't the girl's. They're starting to form a family unit here without knowing that. The Holy Trinity. It's That's the wrong analogy, Mike. Oh, damn it. Uh, it's nacho cheese, cool ranch, and flaming hot. That right, is holy trinity. Exactly. No, it's the nuclear family, but it's important that they're not related. They're people in the mud helping each other out. I, I remember the sitcom based on this movie, Stuck in the Mud. It was adorable. <laughs> You take, one good, you one take the bad, you have the mud and sun, and then you're glad. What, what, what was they it? say life is like mud. There's mud people and sun people and fun people. <laughs> it's just the muds of life. <laughs> so the boy Now streaming. Hey, girl, why don't we get out of the mud? And she goes, where where there's mud everywhere and he goes nah i can't be that there's mud everywhere come on girl what do you say you me and the kid <laughs> that's what he's acting of course it's a silent movie but you know so she rejects him but wait they hear something in the box oh the aforementioned cat i didn't mention four cats just the one cat well, I've aforementioned uh, several times. 
Oh, that's I forgot that you did. Oh, what do you hear, kid? Ooh. Possum. I hope it's a possum. Get your fat butt up, lady. Okay, is it gonna be wow, someone lost cat? What do you bet, Paul? Possum or cat? Possum. <laughs> That's impossible. <Yeah. laughs> We've seen Okay, open that, that reminds me. Oh not a possum. Oh man. The black cat who was trapped in the box. Oh, it was an evil spirit. Leave the dredge. Buries your souls. What loud these placards, man. You go to a silent movie, you just want to see someone sneeze and someone dance. Yeah. And then like the placard the true love. I know I don't know going to the movies and they didn't have the placards, they had the black cards, you know, clubs and spades. Oh, and the playing deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was well, like, no, well, I don't know the, the What are those to those title cards called? Title cards? Uh that was their title. <laughs> okay, now what's happened? The director should have had us, boom, we're on our way, right? They just right. had their inciting incident. Let's get out of the mud. Let's leave this place. So let's go. What's going on? Why are we stalling? We're waiting for the guy who's trying to suffocate a cat. You sick right. fuck. <laughs> okay, so Emo's thinking it over. I'm still waiting for the possum. <laughs> Where's the possum? <laughs> <laughs> I was and, so and so they perhaps moved. in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. All right, well, They're very excited. To the perfect place, the perfect place. Out of the mud they come. <laughs> Frederica, the thing of the past. Now look how they're getting in a boat. What is this crap? He owns a boat? It's not even their boat. They just stole, stole a boat. Was it? There must be boats floating around back then. Now this, his movie docks in New York and Underworld, it always makes me think that this movie takes place in New York Harbor. Are they boat people? They're not Vietnamese boat people. Right. Okay, now. No. The director says they left the mud to go to the sun, but look at their sun. It's pretty muddy, pretty crappy. This is California? Yeah. Yeah, I always thought it was New York, like he was shooting a film in New York Harbor. It looks, well, okay, let's see where. Uh, it's San Pedro. Chinatown, San Fernando Valley, and Grand Arthur Studios. So that's all Los Angeles kind of area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now you see, these are bums. <laughs> to us, they might look like, oh, he's an aristocrat. No, no, no. These are the bums. Huh. Was he allowed to shoot bums back then? Well, I don't know about allowed, but he wasn't arrested. 
<laughs> and interested in continued salvation hunters. This movie bombed on night. Bombed. People walked out of the really? the actors walked out. He was it was a horrible embarrassment for everybody. They're all silent actors, so they just they just emoted when they left. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, this is rugged ruffians, right? One of right. them is a pimp, and uh, he's found a young girl in the city. You know what I mean? Like obviously in distress. Right, fresh off the boat. Now the I other guess, yeah. one is like a just a thug who's there for show, and we'll never see him again in the film. So that's the pimp right there? Yeah, that's the pimp, and he's spying a lady. Fresh meat for him to psychologically manipulate. Well, all they're doing is hanging around. Yep. Well, he's sussing him out, what? sussing him out. Now, is this like a block inside a city block? Yeah. It's a street storefront? So, the he's alley. walking by, and he goes, Say! Do you need a place to stay, my friend? <laughs> oh, that wasn't was so bad. That's quite, that's quite well. So, uh, Von Sternberg, right? He had a failure at the box office, and he wasn't even a director. He wasn't even a real guy, you know what I mean? So he took yeah. the film to Charlie Chaplin's house. And he snuck it into the house. I don't want to oversell it like sneaky. He put it with the, the, the packages that were coming to the house and left. And so it got into Charlie Chaplin's house. And one day Charlie Chaplin was walking around, you know, that walkie walkie, you don't think he used to do that waddle walk? I can see it right now. Yeah, I can vision it right now. And he was spinning an umbrella. So anyway, he just <laughs> happens upon it. And he said, this isn't Amazon Prime. Right. Yeah. Right. He's like, this isn't my uh, <laughs> mud basket. Should I play it? So. Well, he had a studio, right? He could play he a projector. Absolutely. Screening room. He was a movie star. So he, he finds a yeah. piece of film and he goes, hey, gods, what's this, eh? And he goes to his projector and says, go ahead, spin it. Let's see. And they, he watched this film and he loved it. He fell in love with it. Now, he's bringing them to it's an apartment just out of the goodness of their heart. Here's a place for you nice folks to stay. And look, that's one of his girls. Oh, get her back in the room. It's telling you, man, Rambo Last Blood, he went into one of these uh, hotels and killed all the pimps. Did you see how she he, like, pushed her in that room? Let me tell you something, both yeah. of you guys, Paul, you too. I am always very nice to the help. Oh, yeah, you don't push him into the back of the room. Yeah. It goes a long way. <laughs> I just, I just it, got a notification that there is, not to break from our subject of this great movie, but I just got notification that uh, there's a new The Edge of Insanity on Facebook. The difference between me and them is uh, they have three exclamation points after their name. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Doggy dog world. 
Shut him down. Shut him down, Paul. Oh, my gosh. Talk them down. Talk them down, folks. Talk them down from off the edge. So they have this good fortune of finding a place, but it comes at the, the help of a pimp, even though they have no idea that he's a pimp. And if you were watching this film in our day and age, you wouldn't either because they never have him do anything. It's like an unwritten right. rule of the 20s. We know it's a pimp. You don't got to put it in our face and be improper. Right. We're all wearing suits. We're all gentlemen here. That's right. He doesn't, like, take money. and They don't show us the scene where he takes money and sells a girl. You know, they don't show it. But we all know it. (laughs) Well, this is not good. This movie's gone bad. I'm concerned. They're better off in the mud. <laughs> well, the thing is, the pimp doesn't get his way. So that's not as bad. Right. <clears throat> the sun wins in this. Oh. See, look at that. Okay, strike a match. Yeah. Just. Light it off your boss's forehead. It's no problem. <laughs> Hiya, boss. How is the papers working? Flick. Lights his cigar. That's so rude. You should light my cigar first. Sorry, boss. Say, Bugsy, how about you leave a guy's cigar hanging here? Here you go. Sorry, boss. Sorry, boss. Okay, now... I'm not sure what's going on. It's like he's the pimp is telling the prostitute, like, don't give me any shit. I'm obviously trying to recruit some new people. Don't fuck up. So I, I have a joke. Uh, it's a Corona joke. Okay. It's an impression. It's my impression of the uh, newsy announcing the coronavirus. The, uh, extra, yeah. extra. Last, last newsy announces headline. <laughs> they're out of there there's no point get out stay home you could do that without corona oh yeah maybe I should <laughs> like papers died people listen right? yeah, get that that joke. Be, yeah. you could say alright well I only do it on this podcast yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always have to stop and read. Well, I'm confused. The child and the boy throws me off. Basically, what this is saying is that, okay, we've got shelter. That's good, but that's not enough for people. We are starving. Right. Uh He's pacing back and forth. That's more exercise than I've done in this week. <laughs> I In the beginning, um, Paul was saying that he was coming from the three corners of the world or shouting out to him. And I was he's clearly a, a triangle earther. Right, yeah. Not a flat earther. Oh, there's a child on this bed all along. Right. Now look at that cute kid. 
She will try hard not to fall in love with that boy because she's all emo. She's all goth. But but it's going to be difficult. Yeah, don't smile. Say goth. Well, I think God. he's sick. Uh, I got to go. So he goes, good night. And he goes out to sleep in the hallway. Isn't that weird? No, it's the gentleman thing to do. It is. Not in this building. 25. I mean, if they were there and not married and in the same room, people would just assume they did it. Right. And especially with a child there, that's like a dead ringer. <laughs> if a child is there, they're definitely, that indicates people. Yeah, they're they definitely doing it. QED. See the math. You know, I was thinking if an eight-year-old, right, if an eight-year-old is into kitty porn, you know, I mean, I don't know. What? Terrible. Well, all right, so thanks. My corona joke wasn't the worst thing on this podcast. (laughs) But look, it's contemporary. contemporary. It's the girl at school. We have time to talk this. Yeah, crack a window, Carl. Get some air in that roof. <laughs> oh boy, this film brings out a lot. Now, why are they salvation hunters? They just want to get away from the drudgery, right? Well, that's they're looking for salvation from the drudgery. Quite frankly, ah. pretty dull. They're hunting for it. This is when. Lots of hunting around. Any colder, colder, warmer. Okay, now wait. You don't miss the drama. She is pissed off that he's out there trying to show that she's not a bad girl. She doesn't care what the world. You know, don't try to help me. She's offended. She's offended. He's saying get a job. I know that's pretty bad. Little beer here. It's so like, oh, forget it. I'm going over to the Penn's house. So he starts to sing the blues out there, and he's like, Every morning she throws him in my face. She throws the wand, adds in my face, get a job. Sha-na-na-na. Get a job. <laughs> yeah, that's the blues. <laughs> So he was the creator of Shanana, is what you say. <laughs> it's it's Shanana in spirit. It's 50 years. He had an idea. He said in 50 years, people will be nostalgic for 30 years from now. I wonder if he was, was a kid in a movie theater and he saw this. And so he went home and he was like, Hmm. What was she trying to say? Now look, look. Find it. She can't help, right? It's pulling her heart. She's she's not really fighting it right now. You know what I mean? But like right. it, it's smile. a dent. A put a dent in the armor. Now we we assume the kid is a merchant. Is there going to be a scene where the parent shows up to the docs going, have you seen my kid? (laughs) 
the dredge right of the kid parent. Oh, there we go. He's got to look for work again. Hope there's not ladders involved. Another ladder? A Fuck ladder. this work job, sir. Oh, I thought in the oh. city they'd have a few formers. Why can't they put the help wanted sign at the bottom rug of the ladder? Right, it would be the former. <laughs> Are you talking to me? No, I'm talking about the ladder. <laughs> I didn't like that ladder. Is this like unemployed guy hangout? Damn it. Well, they, it's like looking for work. Come down here, fill out a paper. Right. Okay, now, she's not a very good woman's liver, but it's because it's 1925. Like, for instance, she was like, go save that kid from the brute. You're a coward. You're a coward. But she didn't do it. And here's like, go get work. Now, look how cute the kid is being. She has He's, to laugh. Uh... She has to laugh. No, don't don't crack. Don't don't says you're cool. She, she Oh, they're like a family. Well, that's what they're it, like a family. Yeah. Now you saw when it began. Now we're in the middle. It's for the first time she has some affection yeah. for that boy. That's not really true. She's there, there's been chinks in her armor. Oh, and the bouncing of that couch, that's probably foreshadowing. Of what? He's going to get humped? Of her new profession. <laughs> okay, now, here's Pimp, and he's trying to figure out, how am yeah. I going to get this girl? Like, i got to get him desperate enough. How am I going to get this girl? Are they drinking from the water fountain? Uh, uh, there's a water fountain in the middle of the street. Uh, yes. San Dimas, California. strange. Now, look, no, but it's interesting. That water fountain has other purposes, too, including being a fire hydrant. There's like you could shower a little bit, like under your arms and such, wash your face. Well, yeah. Like I mean, you stress. you got to stand in that room. Yeah. Clean up your armpits. Right. Now, why do we see the dredge? Okay, is it to remind us? And there's the brute. I don't know why we see it. I kind of missed the dredge. I asked Joseph that a scene. So this isn't when he was Joseph von Sternberg. He was just Joseph Sternberg. Joey. Joey Sternberg from the neighborhood because he made a dumb choice. Why would he show us the dredge? So he was born in Vienna. They moved to New York like during the whole like Ellis Island piece. And then he moved back to Vienna. And then he moved back to New York, uh, New York After again. After success, he went back to Vienna. He yeah. He moved to New York and well, he, he was, he was uh, doing – labor uh and then he bumped into someone he just had a chance to work in film uh let me try to figure that out was it charlie chaplin how did he know charlie chaplin no he didn't at all he didn't at all he took the film and he snuck it into chaplin's house hoping that chaplin would see it and fall in love with it and for some reason that's exactly what happened <laughs> chaplin's a fucking sadist yeah. Oh, uh, here we go. Pretty awkward. At least they're six feet away. For some reason, I didn't print it out, but what happened is he was sort of a day laborer person. 
and he got the opportunity to be a day laborer for something that had to do with film. And he, being around those sets day after day for uh, three months or something, he sort of wormed his way into doing a job. And that's how he started in pictures. Then this guy came to him out of the blue. Okay, so let's see. He had done something. Yeah, he was assistant director and writer for William Neal's movie By Divine Right, 1924. You saw that? No, I think they, they talk a little bit about him getting into the film. Well, that assistant director thing was and writer thing was his only real credit. And this guy wanted to make a movie in which he was the star so he came to von you know who else is going to talk to him hollywood no right this was actually sort of one of the first independent films although it was picked up and distributed by paramount it was one of i i don't i strike that i'm not sure but i'm saying i'm not sure of the company but it got into the theaters you know so it was like one of the first right. independent films ever made Not much has changed. Okay, the boy comes home, and what does he say? No job. <clears throat> hmm. No job, eh? Well, if you, if you want to get with me, you better get a J-O-B. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think it's a job. Fuck this. Okay, so he's going to go in to the uh, prostitutes, but what is she doing? She's spying. She's very, very interested in the new tenants. And he's watching that's her keyhole. Well, he just wanted to make sure he was right, that she was really listening. Here we go. Open that door boldly. Gotcha! Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this is room 212. Now, I'm not sure why he's mad about that. Like, I'm not sure why he... I guess it's sort of like, don't mess this up for me. Something like that. Right. right. Now, you see, we never know that she's the prostitute, right? We never right. see... A money transaction, we never see a pimp hand, we never see, well, we're seeing that now, I guess. We never see gentlemen, right? Right. So he's just a kind of annoying guy, basically. Oh, here we go, here's dinner. A little stick for you. Single men. He's One third men. You see that? Yeah, most people get a sick of double mint. He offered uh, two-thirds of double mint. I, I think it's more turkey. Yeah. Now look, uh, says, God bless yeah. our home. Yes, but it's crooked, the sign. Yeah. The director's being real directory here. He's showing you these people aren't husband and wife and child from them. These are three strangers who are making the best. And it says our home because they're making that happen by a mistake almost, by happenstance. But 
It's a crooked sign. They're not there yet. Oh. And that was from 1925. That was a sign of their time. Ah, uh, uh, that's true. That is true. Paul Brumba, this is a that's dream. Paul, do not think this is reality. He's dreaming it. Are you sure? Well, I mean, the internet. I'm watching. I'm just, they put it in the trailer, though, to make it look like part of the real uh, life. Yeah. I thought they were, it looked like, um, what's his name, Trudeau, going to a party during college. Well, there is blackface in this, yeah. Oh, is that? That's uh, Trudeau's great-great-grandfather. Wait a second. I think those are African-Americans. I don't think it's. Like, all right. Okay, sure. That sounds socially correct. Okay, well, I think those are, uh, okay, I'm not doing it. <laughs> He's telling a story about, like, life's going to be grand and we're going to get our own place. He's dreaming. He's dreaming. It's his own private dream. But he's talking on the couch, too, isn't he? I'm confused. No, they're falling asleep on the couch. He's dreaming. Uh -huh. so wait, are you telling me this is a dream? I'm not saying it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Right this way. He's sleepwalking. He's telling a story. Yes. Okay. And we're talking, and we're telling the story. Look, I, I swear to God, in the script breakdown, sort of like the Cliff's Notes or something, they call this part the dream. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Now, the boy's hungry, right? What a pain in the ass, this kid, right? <laughs> Now, what could they do to get food? What do you think, Paul? Uh, rob a bank. That, okay. They still, they still okay. have that pot. They still have Right? So I'm thinking they can cook it. All right, let me put that on the blackboard. They could rob a bank. Who else? Show of hands. Let me see. What could they do? <laughs> I was... Like I said, oh, ooh, ooh, you know, right no good goes away. They rob a chewing gum vending machine and get more gum. Okay, okay, good one, Michael. Good one. They rob. Thank let me you. chalkboard that. Okay. <laughs> that chalkboard it. First, they have to invent this vending machine, but that's okay. Um, she could sleep with a man for money. Okay, good one, Michael. Good one. Let's write that on the board here. <laughs> I was only thinking. I was thinking that. I didn't say that out loud. Look at the mirror. She just lit the match. Did you see? Yeah. So this is this is in the documentary too. They're saying that it's symbolic. The shard of the mirror and the right. The striking match. It's her her psyche right now. That's right. And she's in despair. Look, she burns herself. Barely. Look how sad she is. Come on. That's like John Skullnick's sister. <laughs> when, when she was singing that song? Yeah, bloody sad. Suicide is painless. Suicide is painless. 
Take a zip verse. I'm like freaked out. Take a different verse. Yeah, he goes, Then you don't sing the lyrics. That's the title. He was so furious. I never get all of that story. Oh, this guy's horny. Wallflower. Okay, now, I don't oh, really understand this scene. The boy is up to something. Right. And the pimp's like, get out of here, punk. It's, he's pushing him with his pimp hand. Well, the pimp hand is really for the ladies. Uh, well, it's still strong. Speaking of the ladies, he's, he's going down the steps. She's sort of wandering away. And maybe it's the pimp wanted his chance to speak with her alone. I don't know. I don't know. Huh. I, I just never understood the plot. This. Why he got pushed into the room. Like, what does it mean? I don't know. Well, he wants him to stay, you know, stay at home. Hashtag. The thing is that this was supposed huh. Well... They wanted to leave the dredge. They leave the mud. There must be something better somewhere. And so they went to a terrible place. Right. This is when I think he's going went... Nuremberg from Carnarcy. So you would say back in 1925, audiences were like standing up in their, from their seats saying, what is this shit? Well, I don't know why they rioted. It might be the next scene with the gentleman. Um, we only have one star in this whole film. Well, this movie is one star. <laughs> Did Bob Hope? My is it Bob Hope? Uh, it's Robin Williams. He'll, he'll do anything. The man who was in it. Yeah. It's um it's James Earl Jones, the man who will take any role. It's Tommy Lee Jones, the man who will take any role. It's oh, it's Nick Cage in the Salvation. Take <laughs> so huh. like I say, I don't really know what's going on here. He's alone with the boy. The girl's wandering. Right. The pimp is standing guard. I don't know what's going on. She was thinking about it. She's looking for a sign that said Jesus saves, and she found it, and now she's going home. Jesus saves at ShopRite. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I think I got funded for that campaign. Look, look, you see his face? You recognize him. He's so famous. He it's always, Will Farrell. He always played villains, okay? And he was also famous as a sculptor. Interesting. Oh, wait. Oh, I know this one. Is it Toby uh, Mobius? I'm not asking you a question. I'm just saying this is the... Oh, his name's Stuart Holmes. <laughs> Stuart Holmes. Oh, allow me to... Oh, Stuart Holmes. Oh, yeah. His name was there. So, look. Obviously, I'm a big... trying to buy the girl. And right. Like, she ain't no hoe. And the girl goes, let him think whatever he wants. So will the girl sell her body for sex? This might be when they rioted. Right. Maybe just 
maybe just kind of a leap would be okay. Now, look, obviously the answer is going to be no. So he's like, gives them money anyway because they're poor. But the boy refuses the money. So he gives it to the kid who says, thanks, mister. Yeah, great. A hundred dollars? Guy jerks off in the hallway. He goes, so, did she bang you? No. <laughs> but see, he still has the money. I would hide that money quickly. Now, what does he do with the money? He runs away. The boy that, or the child does? Well, not yet. I, I jumped the, oh, yep, there he goes. Yeah, so he gets some new parents. Slid down the stairs. <laughs> That's so dangerous. Splinters in his. That's so ridiculous. Now, she turned down the sex for money. I don't know what's going on here in the scene. Uh, like what he is upset about, and what she I mean, it looks like he fails as a man. She, well, whoa, that was pretty cool. Nice editing. She said she really hates the boy man. Oh, maybe not. Maybe she respects him now. He didn't do anything. I'm not sure. Okay, so it looks like she's softening up to him a little. Like he yeah. was offended uh -huh. with the, the getting with the offer, the what indecent proposal. He was offended. He's he's taking him a lot. Oh, meanwhile, it depends what he's hanging out in the other room. Well, he's strategizing. What am I going to do to get this bitch? I like that the positioning of the horns. Yeah. Yeah, symbolic. So he goes, Fraser Crane's brother. I'll take her out to the country and I'll romance her. You never take me out but to the first, country and romance me. Is, is uh, his friend going to move? She's just been standing in place. Well, that's all oh, right. She's not there. He goes, well, I can't just take her alone. I guess I have to take all you assholes, too. Yeah, right. Hello. Kramer. <laughs> yeah, right. So, what do you say we go to the country, huh? Now your child has ran off with prostitute money. <laughs> oh, he's back. Yeah, now look what... I bought the kid. The kid pushes the pimp out of the way. He brought them food and milk. Yeah, that's now, so awesome. We have a funny moment of levity when he has a hard time getting the cap off. Hey, man, uh, I totally uh, empathize. I, I totally oh, empathize with that guy. It's a happy oh, ending, just like the pornos. Look at that. <laughs> right. Get it off afterwards. He was a genius. He was ahead of his time. So for some, how are we going to end this shot? 
they take the pimp up on his offer and they go out to the country. Right here. Well, this is symbolic. Their putt-putt mobile. And this is all painted, right? This is not a real location. This is a, a, a curtain. No, 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 no. They're really in the country right now. This is not shot in the studio? This is San Francisco Valley. This is not shot in the studio. Look how they're getting up onto the ledge. That sign is really ironic. The sign is real estate developers saying, buy this plot of land, we'll build you a house. Well, this is great. And this is not a dream. This is real life. This is real life. Oh, this right. is the, the plot of the pimp to romance the girl and get her to be one of his girls. Gotcha. So I don't believe it. he's enlisted his girl to distract the boy. This is as good a place as any to have a picnic. Yeah, just to sit down and not have a picnic. They're starving, I'm Here, sure. Let's... I mean, they ate. Hey, let's scheme in this tree. Okay, now we are going to have creeper moves. Now we're going to have, I mean, you just watch him. He's just lusting after her. When, where's the brute? He's, he, is he going to come back? No. He, he works at the dredge. That's right. That's the mud people. They're sun people now. They're not yet. They're on their way. They're like uh, land lovers. They're drying in the sun. So basically, their outing uh, in the country was, let's just drive into a field, park there, and everyone just sort of walk around the field. They don't have a picnic. They don't have a plan. They weren't invited somewhere. This is great. They said, let's just shoot here. All right. Roll them. Roll them. Why would they be? Oh, all right. Never mind. It's, it's the house. Now you lean against a tree. Good. Roll them. <laughs> Roll them. Uh, we need to check continuity. Is this the uh, same tree? No? Okay. Roll them. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You Go wanted ahead. a film in which you're the star. You got it. Roll them. Yeah, you lay Roll in the dirt here. Lay in the dirt. <laughs> he, he did a lot of work that just never got released, too. Like, they just said, nah, we're not going to do it. Ah, really? The lost episode. But after these movies, he, he kind of boomed. Like, people know him. I know him because it's, this is one of those movies where it's he's a great director and we find the worst film possible and that's right. the film we watch. <laughs> that's he, your show, man. He's, he's, yeah, like we did that with Billy Wilder. We watched Kiss Me Stupid. We've done that with a lot of directors that oh, are, yeah, make good movies. And, I love that film. That film yeah, was fun. But it, it? Yeah. Not Tony Bennett, well, was it? Dean Martin playing Dino. Yeah, right, Dino. Yeah. Trying Dean to Martin the wife. Dino. 
Yeah. No, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. It was from the 60s. Okay. Well, basically, they wrote to town, and Dean Martin is a famous singer, and these guys write songs. And so they're like, let him try to sleep with your wife. Maybe he'll like our songs. Yeah, great movie. Okay, now the man's going to make his move, right? But the boy wants the, the child wants the attention of the girl. Well, the pimp will have none of that. He's busy right now. Go away, kid. You bother me. Right. Go away, kid. You watch, he kicks him. Whoa, he pulled. Wow, that kid's pretty. Wow, he really. He loves being. That kid loves. He gets beat up a lot in this movie. Right, he always picks the wrong men. Now, look, this is what happened with the brute. So the coward is ready. The boy is ready to stop. He's doing something. Damn it. I'm doing something. But remember how he did not beat up the brute? Right. He kind of just grabbed the kid and, and, and wandered off. Right. Let's see what he does this time. He's going to face up to Hey, mister. I say, good man, that's no way. What are you, a ruffian? <laughs> I'm no coward. <laughs> Oh, boy. How are they going to get a ride home? Now, once again, the girl who's so judgy, she doesn't help and grab the, you know, hit the guy over the head. And maybe that's just culture. This is bad. not supposed to. See, the problem is that the pimp is their ride home. So if he beats the shit out of them, how are they going to get back? (laughs) They figured that out. Yeah. You'll see. I like how one guy's wearing a white shirt and one guy's wearing a black shirt. Right, but our hero is in black. Yeah, and the villain is dressed in white. Yeah. Now look, he's just not backing down. I'm going to beat the living shit out of you. Pow! Crack! Now what do these cowards do? They run away! Face down in the mud. Well, this is one big hill. Yeah. Now look, he's a Frady cat. Oh yeah. Here, you get back or you crack. Ouch. Pow. Looks like the pimp gloves on the other hand. Oh, how symbolic, right by the sign. Man was only the victim. The boy was not beating him. He was conquering the harbor, the city, the mud, all the forces that had held him down, and most of his own cowardly self. Okay, if if you say so. Right, he wasn't, he wasn't, I thought he was beating up the guy, but he was beating up everything in life that held him back. You could show it in special effects, or you could just be cheap and have a title card. Black right. card. It's not a title card. It's the real estate sign. Uh, final wallop. He's going to fall off the cliff. Oh, he's going to be thrown off the cliff. He plops into his car. 
Now they got to walk back. Ooh, that must have hurt. Falling to jalopy like that? Absolutely. Those things, that was the rumbles. They just had a rumble in the rumble seat. <laughs> <laughs> now, Von does something here that no other film had ever done. They walk it off into the sunset. Huh. Well, that's an interesting way to end the movie. Does that mean that the cowboy ones did that too? Like, uh, because of this? Or it's just a good idea? Just something that, you know, they made up on their but, own. No, you're right. They were big Voss Stromberg fans. Right? The Silent Fells, not, not the ones in Relina Dietrich. Now look how weird too. Look how she's holding his hand, right? Uh, arm, yeah, arm, right. And she's holding the hand. Yeah, by side, by side. Look, a little kiss, a kiss. Wow, she's falling out. So it is in our conditions or its environment. It's ourselves. We control our lives, which I hate that message, but there it is. Yeah. You think it's just pandering so people will leave happy? I think it's blaming the victim. I think it's not taking care of poor people and then saying to them, come on, it's up to you. Yeah, come on, it's your fate. Yeah. Yeah, no, Western movies saw that and they said, let's end in like Joseph Steinberg. In 1925, right. Well, that was uh, Joseph von Sternberg's directorial debut in 1925. Carl, what did you think of The Salvation Hunters? I don't know. I guess I didn't enjoy it. I mean, it's I say thumbs down, but I think it was good for your show with a lot to talk about. (laughs) Oh, man. What about you, Uh, Paul? What did you think of uh, this movie we just sat through, Salvation Hunters? Well, I'll tell you, man. something I wouldn't have probably stuck all the way through. I do feel like I've accomplished something by sticking through. Um, I'm yeah. glad that I had two uh, film noir geniuses with me, such as yourself, to keep it interesting. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I don't. Was... I thought it was a slog, okay. but it was interesting. I guess. I don't know. I I, I know. A lot of the aspects. Uh, there's certain things I did like about it. I really did like that um, the costume. I liked the lighting, even though it was black and white. Uh, it was done really well. And uh, right. There's a few things that were really quality. It's just that it just I never heard of a movie about dredging. Yeah. Right. It's dredging. yeah. Right. No, it's the first time. It, it's dreadgery. It's dreadgery. Oh, it's a lot of it. Dreadful. Well, dreadful. I really like the elbows in this movie. I thought that they did the elbows very well. People, you know, they crooked their arms and such. And I like the leaves. Yeah. Like when you saw li- trees and such, the leaves were good. It was a good... Uh, yeah, you don't see that much. Right. Part of this, part of the, these films was good. I, I like the fact that the guy's car was stick. I think that's important. Well, there's a lot of positive things that we could say about this movie. And now that it's over, we can never talk about it again. Uh, we are done with our movie. We're going to be back next week, uh, next Sunday. 
I can't find a trailer, Carl, but it is a sequel to a movie we did a couple years ago. Yes. Uh, next week we're going to be watching Kung Fu Mahjong 2. Right. Uh, because uh, we watched the first one. We really enjoyed it. It's pulled from YouTube, but there's two other sequels. So next week from 2005 we'll be watching Kung Fu Mahjong. Carl, how can people find you? CarlSucks.com? Correct. And listen – Kung Fu Mahjong was a very fun film, and I would, like, it's a film that I would have watched without our show, and so I'm interested to see what yeah. Kung Fu Ma- Mahjong 2 is all about. 2005, you had said. Yeah, and if this movie is actually good, then we can't watch it by default, but we'll we'll take our risk. Maybe it's bad, but I'm looking forward to it, too. Watching 